Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 46, Kindness, part 12 of our Virtue and Vice series, with your hosts, Brandon, Peter, and Grant. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Peter. And I'm Brandon. And I'm back. We have our founding host back. Awesome. <laughs> Wait, who? You. <laughs> oh, all right. Good. Yes. <laughs> Fortunately, you've only been gone for a couple of episodes, but we have missed you. In, ca- in case this happens to be the first time you've been tuning in, I'm Grant, by the way. I'm, I'm happy back. Grant's back. Brandon and I are so glad you're back. We have missed you. Indeed. I'm glad to be back, too. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's good to be back on the mics. I probably don't sound perfect, but good enough. Thanks for everybody who's uh, been asking about me, too. I, I do appreciate that, and those of you who've been praying for me, I really appreciate that. So, we've got a lot of business to catch up on, don't we? I'm back. Come on. we <laughs> Let's get back down to it. Yes, we do. Okay, so first things first, our live Q&A episode that we have been talking about. You guys did talk about that, right? We did, yes. Okay, good. It is still going to happen. I'm not exactly sure when episode 50 is going to be, because our carefully planned plans got deplanned, and that's unfortunate. So, whenever episode 50 happens, if it doesn't happen to be a guest episode, <laughs> we'll make that happen. It might be episode 50, it might be episode like 49 or 51. Regardless, stay tuned to our social media stuff, and as we get closer to that date, we will definitely... Let people know on social media, facebook.com slash saving the game, twitter.com slash saving the game. If you go to savingthegamepodcast.org, it's all out there. Stay tuned to those and we will try and keep you posted on what time and what date exactly that's going to happen. Topic for that will be character creation and any questions you guys have for us, because hooray. Second big bit of news, something that I have been working on while I have been absent, is a store for Saving the Game Podcast products most of which have savingthegamepodcast.org on there somewhere, because shameless shilling. Hooray. Um, <laughs> but no, you wanted a Saving the Game podcast t-shirt? We've got t-shirts and cufflinks and lapel pins and buttons and stickers and other t-shirts. Look, there's a lot of t-shirts. Yeah, thanks again to Ruben Smith Zempel, who did our new logo that is yes. suitable for t-shirting. Yes. And it is awesome. It does look awesome. Yeah. Uh, get his stuff at 3d6design.com. If you're looking for a graphic designer, I would recommend him because he's good. Yeah, and he's also a joy to work yes. with. He, he put up with me, so <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of... He also put up with me, from well, point of record. Well, yes, but... He put up with me, too, like in a car. Really? <laughs> nice. Once. That was when you go. Brandon kidnapped the graphic designer. Oh, well, that, that was a bit of an embarrassing scene, but, you know. Well, he is a supervillain. True. Uh, speaking of supervillains, I actually got, through careful manipulation, Peter to build me RoboGrant. Ha, what? I built RoboGrant at some point? Because, Peter, you built the machine that we're putting Grant through, and so Grant is coming back to us. You built RoboGrant for me. That's true. I guess it sort of qualifies in a weird way. You know, as, as um... Leaps of logic go. This one is an Olympic pole vaulter. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. All right. To clarify for listeners who are wondering about that, right around the time my face started feeling better, my laptop that I recorded on died a horrible, miserable, integrated graphics card death. And so <laughs> Peter was kind enough to build me a new desktop, which is very nice and very awesome and 
shockingly quiet. So he does do this for profit, by the way. So if you guys want to have computers built, get in touch with him. He's easy to get in touch with. Uh, three more announcements. I am going to be published again. I have signed the contract and sent it in for Sojourn Volume 2, so I will have a much longer story in this one called Winter Mercy. Uh, if any of you have read the first story I did for Sojourn 1, it's the same setting, some of the same characters, about four times as long. And so. four times as good. I know, because I've read it. I need to get you the final edited version, but yeah, you have read well, it. Well, I will when I buy Sojourn 2. Fair point. There we go. All right, and Brandon, you have an awesome piece of news. I am a weekend news producer. Awesome. Woohoo! Hooray! Yes. To employment. Our resident supervillain has seized control of the mass media. We're all doomed. <laughs> but only on weekends, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In truth, I actually just went in for my first day of training today. It was good. I'm going to be starting this Sunday, officially. Fantastic. Excellent. And then it'll be every weekend. Except for probably the weekend of 13th and 14th, because I am planning on being at Save Against Fear. Yay, one of us is going to finally make it. That's September 12th to 14th, right? Yes. I'm planning on being at Save Against Fear. So, yay. We will have gone to two conventions as, as Saving the Game this year. That's pretty awesome. Indeed. I'm going to need cards to hand out now. Okay. I will get those to you tonight. All right. Yay. Well, they won't be in your hand tonight, but I will get them ordered for you tonight. How's that? Oh, that makes me a little less, you know, I cannot, offended. Shockingly, RoboGrant does not have a built-in matter teleporter or printer. Darn it. Peter, you need to build better computers with, like, transwarp drives. You know what? I'll make you a deal, Brandon. If you invent teleportation, I will install it in Grant's computer for him. <laughs> okay. Now I must invent teleportation. In 30 years, I'm holding you to that. You are the supervillain. If anybody is going to do mad science, it's going to have to be you. Indeed. Yeah. Awesome. Well, very uh, good. My news, aside from, you know, face, is significantly <laughs> less awesome because the GURPS game that Peter was so excited about talking about has unfortunately been put on hold after one session, as campaigns so often are. Yeah, we've got a scheduling conflict that's going to last for an indeterminate amount of time with one of our core group members, so... Yes, it could be two weeks, it could be six months, we're not sure yet. Hooray. But at any rate, I'm going to be running inspectors in the interim, so that'll be fun, and should generate some interesting show material as well as fun. Well, the other nice thing is it will make those of us that are still able to game a little bit more well-rounded because yeah. another system. So. <laughs> Not much of a system. It says, like, in the first page, this is a story game, okay? Okay, another game? Yeah. Okay. I think this one does technically qualify as a game. Is there a winner and loser? Yes, actually, conceivably. It's basically Ghostbusters, the RPG, without any copyright infringement. Ah, so, so. everyone loses. Well, no, but you're running a franchise, right? It's basically paranormal pest control, which is hilarious, because the franchise and its budget is kind of one of the things you have to manage, and it is very possible to go bankrupt and lose your franchise. Ah, so everyone loses. Yeah, oh. the idea is basically, oh, you guys are playing from debt, or your office has closed and you're working from home trying to pay the bills. Fun stuff like that. It's kind of wacky, but it can happen. Anyway, 
we should actually get into our topic and stop talking about ourselves. Yeah, we probably should. Nah. I know. Especially since this is our Virtues and Vices series, and it's it matters. It doesn't have to be. I've scrapped Virtue and Vices series before because I didn't want to do yes, it. Yes, but I'm here, and I'm here to keep us on track. So, oh, haha. Darn it. All right. My control is weakening. Yes, our moderating host has returned. Right. So, real quick, in case this happens to be your first episode listening to us first of all there's not usually this much news or this much banter at any rate this is part 12 of our virtues and vices series where we are examining the seven deadly sins and seven heavenly virtues and their applicability in games and out of game if you want to come in on a different episode go out to savingthegamepodcast.org and look at our archive of shows or if you want to hear the other parts of this series there's a virtues and vices series link that you can click on that will show all the episodes of that series for you as well as our other series like our science storytelling series that brandon leads on how to tell interesting effective stories so all of that said we've got scripture for you our first one is one of my favorites uh, micah 6 8 he has told you O mortal what is good and what does the lord require of thee but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your god ephesians 4 32 be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And then the second one we have is another one that I really like, Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll take uh, Matthew twenty-five thirty-four to 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And we have Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So our topic tonight is kindness, which is a little bit funny, I think, for a lot of us, because those of us familiar with kind of the basic Pauline virtues system, the four cardinal virtues that Aristotle proposed, and then the three theological virtues that he outlines in Romans, you know, faith, hope, and love, will kind of wonder where kindness falls into this. And I think kindness typically is part of love in that scheme. But in the seven heavenly virtues, kindness stands out as its own. It's a little hard to define in a strange way from a Christian sense, because we all sort of instinctively understand what kindness is. We say, oh, this is kind, this is not. And nobody really stops and defines it very much. But I did like this definition from Frederick William Faber, who's a 19th century American friar. He was Anglican, who then converted to Catholicism and whom a great many American churches, whether Catholic or Protestant, they use his hymns. He wrote a great many hymns that are really quite good. But he wrote a book titled simply Kindness, in which he defined it this way. Kindness is the overflowing of self upon others, 
We put others in the place of self. We treat them as we would wish to be treated ourselves. For the time, self is another and others are self. Our self-love takes the shape of complacence and unselfishness. This book, by the way, was written in the mid-19th century, and you can find it for free online. It's a pretty interesting little read. To put it another way, kindness is sensitivity. It's empathy and sympathy with an action in that empathy and sympathy. It's a willingness to trouble oneself for those that are hurting, to ease their hurt, to give the thirsty something to drink, to feed the hungry, to be there for another who needs a listening ear, to do something for others instead of yourself. Yeah, it's, uh, boy, I I don't even know how to follow that. That's an almost perfect definition, actually. So one particular example of this that we see crop up in fiction a lot of the time is the so-called pet the dog trope. Brandon, do you want to unpack that a little bit? Uh, Sure. I'll admit I am vaguely unfamiliar with pet the dog i am much more familiar with the concept of save the cat which is when you do something nice to make your protagonist or even your villain more likable right i think it's pretty much the same thing actually yeah yeah it's that little act of kindness that says oh this person is clearly a good person look they've done something this is a reading from the Save the Cat book, which I've brought up in all of the Science of Storytelling episodes, uh, because it's called Save the Cat, which directly refers to this. Which brings us to the title of this book, Save the Cat. Save the what? I call it the Save the Cat scene. They don't put it into movies anymore, and it's basic. It's a scene where we meet the hero, and the hero does something, like saving a cat. It defines who he is and makes us, the audience, like him. In the thriller Sea of Love, Al Pacino is a cop. Scene one finds him in the middle of a sting operation. Parole violators have been lured by the promise of meeting the New York Yankees. But when they arrive, it's Al and his cop buddies waiting to bust them. So Al's cool. At least he's got a cool idea for a sting anyway. But on the way out, he also does something nice. Al spots another lawbreaker who's brought his son, coming late to the sting. Seeing the dad with his kid, Al flashes his badge at the man who nods in understanding and exits quick. Al lets the guy off the hook because he has his young son with him. And just so you know, Al hasn't gone totally soft. He gets to say a cool line to the crook. Catch you later. Well, I don't know about you, but I like Al. I'll go anywhere he takes me now. And you know what else? I'll be rooting to see him win. All based on a two-second interaction between Al and a dad with his baseball fan kid. And that's the power of kindness, is it makes you like people. Yeah, it does. And it makes other people like you. It's interesting that the Bible, which so heavily emphasizes the servant sort of discipleship that we as Christians take on, talks about kindness in several places and very often refers to it as something that rebounds upon yourself. The Old Testament especially emphasizes this a bit more. Even in the Gospels, Christ makes it clear that kindness is one of those virtues that repays itself by being kind to others others will be kind back to you i think we see that in the the save the cat example there al the cool cop but we see it really every day you know we like being around kind people and are kind to them in return to sort of bring this back to another movie reference yeah pay it forward right that entire thing was about what kindness can do yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think to back up just a little bit to what Grant was saying, it's interesting because if people are kind enough, it almost kind of insulates them against hostility and stuff. You'll see people who are just kind of kind 
as just their normal way of being. And people usually aren't nasty to them because they remember that that person isn't like that themselves and they feel bad if they do it. Even people who are generally a little bit hostile or cranky or foul-tempered often kind of leave those people alone. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. This is a piece of scripture we didn't read at the, the start here, but Galatians 5.22, Paul calls out kindness among the many fruits of the Spirit. One of the things that being immersed in that Christian Holy Spirit, it's something that generates within you. It's something that Christians who have that deep faith tend to exhibit. Not always, necessarily. We all have our individual hang-ups. It's something that I think a lot of Christians do aim for and appreciate. It's kind of funny, I think, that we look at kindness and go, oh, well, everybody appreciates kindness when forgiveness, which is very close to kindness, is so heavily frowned on. It's, it's something that people think is weak in a lot of ways. We've talked about that before. It's interesting. Small acts of kindness will often mean a lot to somebody, even one who chafes at the idea of forgiveness. So, like, it can be something as simple as holding the door for mm -hmm. somebody who has their hands full. There's almost nobody who won't appreciate that. I'm sure, sure there's a few people. I don't think I've ever met one. The other interesting thing about kindness is that it is one of the most visible virtues. It necessarily involves others. You can be chaste or you can be temperate by yourself. Right. It's really hard to be kind by yourself. I can see someone who is perhaps new to these ideas, wondering why, when we look at envy, desiring the happiness of others, desiring that in yourself, and hoping that they lose it and you get it. I can see someone wondering why kindness, as opposed to contentment, is the opposite virtue of envy. Because contentment, on the surface, seems to make sense. Well, I'm happy with what I have. But that's a very selfish inward-looking happiness, where kindness is selfless. It's the idea that instead of worrying about my own happiness at all and wanting the happiness that others have, help others be not just happy but loved. Help them through their hurts and help them meet their needs. And in doing so, you'll lose yourself in that. It's very closely linked to this Christian idea of charity, the idea of loving others as yourself. Uh, there's a reason Faber specifically references that. We treat them as we would wish to be treated ourselves. Kindness is opposite of envy because it eliminates anything to be envious of, if that makes sense. It does make sense, actually. Okay, good. So now that we've defined it, and I think defined it well enough, let's talk about it in-game. Because as... Brandon has pointed out this is one of those traits that makes a character instantly sympathetic, and so it has a lot of interesting uses, not just for PCs. So long as you're not playing with sociopaths, which I've played with a lot of sociopaths. I have too. I, I think anybody who's gamed with varied groups will have eventually played with a one or more kind of sociopathic people. But even then, kindness becomes interesting because if you have a kind character and you know somebody who most people are sympathetic towards, that sociopath's interaction with them 
kind of throws them into sharp relief, doesn't it? I would imagine it would. I don't think I've ever actually gamed with a sociopath. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I've seen is that when you have, you know, a character who is sympathetic and instantly sympathetic, like a save the cat kind of character, then somebody who doesn't reciprocate that kindness, you sort of look at them and go, well, why? Well, and it also has the effect of, okay, so if you've got this character, the sympathetic one, exhibiting a lot of unwarranted kindness towards, for instance, somebody who won't reciprocate it, it actually makes the kind character more sympathetic because it is a larger sacrifice on their part to be nice to this person who doesn't deserve it. Sure. And who isn't going to be nice in return. Yeah, I think we all know people who we look up to who can, in fact, do that. You know, the person who goes and serves others not looking for being paid back in kind and taking verbal abuse and that sort of thing. They just do it anyway. I think we've all encountered that. I can think of a couple of interesting fictional examples. A Christmas Carol comes to mind. Not just one, but a lot of the characters treat Scrooge as he's kind of going through his redemption arc. True. Really kind of indicates this kindness and... Yeah, it's wrapped up in Christmas, but, you know, kindness is a central Christian virtue, and Christmas is one of the two most important Christian holidays, so yeah, nothing inappropriate there. I think you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, the only Christmas carol I can picture anymore is the Muppet Christmas carol, because that's the one my wife and I watch every year. Because Muppets, that's why? <laughs> because Muppets, yes. So I'm, I'm, like, running through all the songs in my head now, so there you go. Thanks for that. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> I know. Well, I'm not going to sing. All right. Favorite everybody. But, yeah, you're right. That's a good example. It's, a, I think, a very relatable example, too. So, well done there. Thank you. It's a good way of kind of instantly marking someone as one of the good guys. And while you can play around with that, I think there's a lot of room in fiction for characters who are kind in some way but are also the antagonist of a story. It's a good way to say... I should really think about this character as more than generic bad guy number whatever. A lot of the time, if your villain is somewhat sympathetic, your characters are going to be a little more conflicted about dealing with them harshly, and that's going to make for interesting drama, and yeah. that's all to the good. Absolutely. I can think of a couple of antagonists that I have read of who, despite clearly being the antagonist of the story at least for some period of time in the story, they show kindness in one way or another. And sometimes who they show kindness to or what they show kindness to is a good illustration of their priorities. Because let's be honest, for all that we agree that it's a virtue to treat others as ourselves, to be kind to one another regardless of their station, we find it easier, because we're human, to treat some people kindly and it's more difficult to treat other people kindly. Sure. It's just how we are. And I'm not necessarily talking about... Well, and I mean, instinctively, it's easier to treat people that are very similar to you with kindness because they're more relatable. And I'm not even talking about things like race or religion. Right, or, or class or something like that. Yeah, or even that. I'm talking about other people who have the same hobbies or are part of the same subculture. Well, it's people you interact with and can interact with more easily. We're going back to the monkey sphere, aren't we? Of course we're going back to the monkey sphere. Monkey sphere is one of the best words ever. All right, come on. I really can't argue with that. <laughs> of course. But yeah, the people in your monkey sphere, the people that make up your little mental and emotional tribe, it's easy to be kind to them. Because you don't necessarily relate as well to people outside of that, it's hard to do. Compare how you treat a coworker to how you treat the cashier at a restaurant 
we try and be kind, but when it kind of comes down to it, we're a little more willing if we have to, or we feel like we have to, or we have an excuse for it, to treat the cashier badly as opposed to the coworker who we relate to and kind of know as a person. It's Or really just the stranger rather than the known person. Exactly. And while that's not excusing it, because the whole point here is that it's not excusable. It's something we should do for everybody. <laughs> well, and some of us have been in the service industry for so long that pigs will fly free over the frozen seas of hell before we're nasty to another service employee out of okay. bizarre solidarity. But that further reinforces your point. That's true. But I'll tell you, I am terrible with people who call me on the phone. Oh, really? If it's a, a sales guy or something like that, uh, or a, a survey taker or something like that, oh, I'm I'm so bad at treating them well. <laughs> it's a major failing. <sighs> yeah, that's a major human failing because I've had trouble with that too. Right, and especially if, oh, I got interrupted during dinner or, you know, it's late <sighs> and the kid's asleep. She can't hear the phone, but you know what? You got me angry. I will verbally stab you through the phone, yeah. Kind of the point of using this for a character is who does this person consider important to them? Who do they relate to? You have a character like an NPC who's kind to one particular kind of people but not kind to someone else. Well, that tells you a lot about them. There's a city in Skyrim where the elves are second-class citizens, essentially, despite the fact that they're not supposed to be. They're downtrodden because... The people there don't think of them as them. They're a separate them, not us. Heck, that's a huge chunk of the Dragon Age setting. Yeah, it really is. It's that very tribalist sort of idea. But by by knowing that and by understanding, oh, this person thinks these people are not somebody he relates to and these people are, you can tell a lot about that character from that. My wife's character in your GURPS game, Peter, she had this going on herself. Yeah. It's one of her character traits is she's very loyal to the group of player characters and the organization that they work in. But anybody outside but of that. She is hard and cold otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. And certainly, you know, we all know people who are kind to animals and cruel to everyone else. Yeah. It says a lot about their priorities. People don't matter, but oh, cute little pets. Yeah. That's that's fine. How does this apply at the table as opposed to in the game? You know, I think we've covered a lot of this <laughs> off and on. Yeah, we actually probably have. I do think that paying attention to lines and veils, which we have talked about off and on throughout the show since I think episode 17, I think it was, lines and veils one. That's an important concept because knowing what will hurt people and avoiding it or stepping carefully around it is very much part of being kind at the table, whether you're a player or GM. It kind of applies to a whole host of things. I mean, sharing spotlight time, trying to be gracious when people's lives interfere, dealing with disruptions at the table from outside people, gaming in a house and you've got you know other people who aren't involved in the game being gracious when one of them interrupts or a kid wanders through or a cat knocks minis off the table or something like yeah. that. It's interesting that in scripture kindness and gentleness are often used often almost interchangeably and when they're not used interchangeably they're used right next to each other yeah the idea of being careful not to hurt people not in a delicate you know let me not do anything that might maybe hurt someone but knowing other people being wise to their particular needs and not hitting those buttons and poking those wounds, but instead strengthening them otherwise and being there for them when those come up. 
that kind of kindness and gentleness, I think, works very well, not just at the table, but really anywhere. Out in your daily life, it's highly applicable. Yeah, absolutely. Brandon, you've been really quiet lately. Is there anything else you want to throw in here? or Anything for the in-game stuff? I've played with players who really want to be kind. I've played with players who really don't want to be kind. And so I think it's this is probably the hardest one to do because it's going to depend on what your players want in your game. Because I've seen players who are perfectly nice people, but in the game they go, oh wait, that guy's going to be cool, all right, and kind? Uh, he's a total pushover. I'm going to steal all his stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't get the whole, well, he's trying to be nice because of things. And they're like, no, we just don't like him. And we're going to take advantage of him. Even when they're otherwise good people, right. because he has NPC on his forehead, he's just like, oh, I kill him and take his stuff. Right. I think there's kind of an easy way to deal with that, which is one of the things we throw out there a lot, is let that action have consequences. Yeah. You know, hey, you stab this guy and cold blood right in the street because hey he seemed like a pushover well all of a sudden the whole town's you know rioting because hey you murdered somebody that everybody really likes and you're trying to get away with it well you know you're probably gonna get arrested or at least you know lynched that reminds me actually i i had to deal with this in my game in y2112 one of our new players who is very jovial and likes to make a lot of jokes was being really unkind to a couple NPCs who had kind of been unkind to them in in turn. So this wasn't 100% non-justified, but they started playing pranks on this guy and just being snide to another NPC that I had had. And that other NPC almost ended in that NPC shooting the player in the face because of, like, this guy wouldn't take being talked down to anymore. The only... The logical thing I could think in my head was this has to erupt into violence. Right. It escalates and escalates and all of a sudden things are a lot worse. Yeah, we toned it back and other PCs came in and solved the situation and everything was fine. Later this PC got involved with this guy who was a racist jerk in my game and just for no reason was just being incredibly horribly mean to a whole lot of people that the other guy liked and so this player was being mean back to him and doing all sorts of other things with him. And eventually, the jerk kind of put him on trial for all of the things that was going on and tried to get him kicked out of town. And I think that's one of the the dramatic and storytelling keys that a lot of people look for. Oh, hey, this guy is mean, therefore it's okay to be mean back to him. Yeah. Right? And don't get me wrong, we're talking about a role-playing game. So if you're doing it because you think that's my character will fall into that trap, like this is just one of his flaws, and you're playing a character as opposed to you're being you and just sort of acting it out through a guy who's really good at shooting things or stabbing things or, I don't know, flies and shoots lasers from his eyes, whatever. It's a different thing if it's my character will fall into this pattern of behavior and this is something I do when there aren't any seeming consequences. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like it's the latter case that you're talking about. And I admit I have been that guy as well in the past, certainly. I still struggle with it because what? Consequence-free jerkishness? Yeah. Sign me up! This guy's obviously bad. I'm going to be good by being... By being bad back at him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which is not something that exists in my world because while the guy was being, you know, he was expressing views 
which not a lot of people liked. And one of the great things that I actually liked is the original character who this character had had a tiff with was there at the time and had been elevated into this other position that was actually alongside of the other dude. And, and so basically the jerk kind of called on the other character to give testimony to help him throw out the PC. And the other character basically said, yeah, what you're saying about this character is right. He is, he's all these things, but so are you. So I would say throw you both out, but, uh, and just sort of in a, in a very like kind of way to sort of undermine the entire other NPC's point. And that sort of developed a friendship between the two people in the last game we had. The other guy was like, oh no, we're fine now. Me and me and the rich guy, we're cool. We had this thing and the dude totally stood up for me in this, you know, way. And well, it's, yeah. You know, the other interesting thing, the other interesting thing that stands out there is that you had this NPC draw a parallel between the, you know, this other unpleasant NPC that, you know, was sort of uh, the antagonist at the time and the player character and kind of by implication, the player who was inserting himself into that character and saying, well, you know, you guys are kind of a lot alike. That's one of the valuable tools that we have in playing role-playing games. It, it lets us do things like that and say, Ooh, it, that moment of, Oh, I'm a, I'm kind of a lot like that. Aren't I? Yeah. A little bit. Mm, need to need to do something about that. Need to tone that back. Well, it works well. Yeah. That that's, sort of gets into the, the whole idea of a lot of times in stories is, when the antagonist is a reflection of the protagonists. Right. And that's one of the things that makes a good antagonist, the dark reflection of the protagonist. Absolutely. Well, I mean, heck, that goes back to human nature. We tend to hate our own flaws the most, so... It's true. It's true. All right. I actually don't have a lot more to say on this. The only thing that I would add at the end, and just as a kind of a, a general in-your-life thing, I think... One of the best things that can be done is to exhibit this, is to make yourself a safe person, one that people can come to when they're hurting and know that their baggage won't be run up the flagpole. If you get dumped on a lot or if you have people bring a lot of stuff to you and you know, you're having some difficulty dealing with that as a result of, of that perception, shear off the proper nouns and talk about it with people who live in other states. But at the same time... It's important to know the difference between Bob is having a tough time and just needs somebody to talk to, and Bob really needs some professional help for this. Bob should be at a therapist. This is more than I as a layperson can handle. And listening to somebody and, you know, going through kind of the initial, wow, that's really rough, I'm, I'm really sorry, and then capping it off with, have you thought about seeking some professional assistance with this? they'll have more tools than I will is not being unkind. It's being responsible. Well, no, I think it is being kind. I think it's saying, I understand just how hurt you are. Yeah, I said it's not being unkind. It's being responsible. Well, I think it goes past responsibility. Oh, okay. That's showing the kind of love that we as Christians should show. You are really hurting. Let me help you get the kind of help that you need. Encourage someone to go to therapy if they need it or see a counselor something like that or see a doctor whatever it happens to be whatever sort of professional help they need you know say listen you really need to do this because it will help you and if you need me to to help get you there i'll be happy to do that i'll take time out of my day to drive you over there if need be but taking care of them in that way 
is just as kind and just as loving. It's just as charitable. Love in the Christian sense as just trying to, quote unquote, be there for them. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm sorry I misunderstood you earlier, but yes, you are absolutely right. No, no. All right. So that about wraps it up for me. Brandon, you had one more point? It's not a point. This is, It's more of a question that I have for um, you, Grant. What are your feelings about ice cold buckets of water? They're really good for holding beer. Ah, well, see, I was challenged to the ALS ice bucket challenge. And uh, if you look on Facebook, I've just posted the video now. And one of the people I challenge in there is you, Grant. This is the challenge where I fill a bucket full of ice and put beer in it and then drink the beer? Nope. Nope, too bad. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, very well. No, I will see what happens with that. I just wanted to put it out here because I'm... In fairness, I live in the South, and oh no, how terrible cold water in August (laughs) in the South. You get to cool off a little bit, yeah. (laughs) What a challenge. If this were, you know... Winter, yeah, that might be one thing. But you don't even have winter in your part of the country. What are you talking about? We have winter. It's also more about the donating of the money to the ALS organization. Yeah, I know. So no, it's, it's actually for all that this little viral thing has kind of become a little bit mockable in some ways. It's raised millions for the ALS, and that can't help yeah. but be a good thing. So. Like I usually don't do internet forward things. No, I did this thing as soon as it. I don't either. And my wife tagged me in something as well. And while it's nominally a good thing, it's like one of those, you know, oh, a five-day kindness challenge or or thankfulness challenge, something like that. You know, list three things you're thankful for every day for five days, something like that. I can't help but cringe. And it's something I probably, it would probably not hurt me to do and, in fact, might be good for me, but I can't help but cringe. It's like, oh, really? Really? Facebook? Come on. Yeah. Memes. Memity memes. Meme, 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 Forward this to five people or else, like, and if you do that, then the person you truly love will love you back. Oh, I know. If not, you will have bad luck for two years. It's chain letter nonsense. But again, (laughs) talk about being uncharitable here. You know, I shouldn't just go, oh, well, it's a chain letter. So it has no personal value whatsoever. Well, come on. Really? Yeah. It's, It's doing something nice for others. Or trying to list things that you're thankful for? Well, that's not something we as Christians should necessarily frown on, is it? No, definitely not. So, for all that I'm being grumpy about it, it's yes. something I probably should do. But yes, but anyway, the, the main reason why I chose you is because I, I don't know, I, I had to pick one of you because I was trying to pick a group of people from my main circles of friends and one from each game that I'm running. So, that's I tagged a whole bunch of people. No, that's, that's good work. I have counted days correctly. This episode will actually drop right after you get back from Save Against Fear. All right. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that. It was great to have you back, Grant. It's good to be back. It was not the same without you. And now we're sending him away again. No, actually, in like two... <laughs> we're sending him away to dump ice on his head. <laughs> I'm going to be here for the next episode we record, and then I'm actually going to be on vacation the next one, so... But you guys have practice recording without me now, right? Yeah, we do. All right. And I may have enough for a bloopers episode. (laughs) Well, there we go. Good times. All right. Don't forget, we have the store, which will be up by the time this drops. Go to our webpage and you'll see it. And stay tuned to all of our social media and probably upcoming episodes as well. We'll talk about when we're doing the live Q&A episode. Which may or may not turn into a regular thing. Who knows? Hopefully it will. Uh, I think now's as good a time as any to sign off. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. See ya.
This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless and happy gaming.